0: This episode is part of the silver-lining theme in which I will try to explore some of the bright side of the COVID-19 crisis with some of my wisest friends. My guest today is my very dear friend, Martin van Haustek. Martin is the founder of Wisdom in Business, the Inner Peace Conference, Delight Yoga, and the Playing Circle. What's common between all of those is that they are united by the focus on bringing a community of people or a network of organizations together toward a more conscious living and working. Martin is dedicated and so he's very successful at helping leaders make the journey onwards to master the art of living and not just working. He continuously explores philosophy, meditation, meditation, He continues to move around the world with masters while running multiple successful businesses, which, if you ask me, is not the easiest balancing act, but surely one that is very rewarding. Last time Martin and I were together, he managed to make me cry in front of a thousand people on stage. He's sometimes good at that. Martin, welcome to Slow Mo. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you for inviting me. It's been a year or so. I can remember our last one on stage.
0: Yeah, remember that. I was just telling everyone that uh, I ended up crying from gratitude because of the way you asked the questions. And uh, I actually was completely overwhelmed. It was a a moment where I realized that, uh, if you remember, the loss of my wonderful son and the love that he gave me was replaced with so much love. There was a, a thousand people in the room and you could feel that they really appreciated our conversation, it was really wonderful, so what's happening with all of your businesses with wisdom and business is an event, so how are you shifting that?
1: yeah, the events, as you know, we have five yoga schools they are closed, and the events that we organize, the inner peace conference and wisdom and business they are basically cancelled. I think it will come back again that we will be joining together, and that um I'm seeing also wonderful things happen by connecting through these platforms, whether it's podcast or Zoom calls or or other means. And we do these wisdom meditations every Friday morning just for our friends and, and, and family. And that's been growing a little bit outside of that circle. And it's really nice to sit in silence. You're meeting people which are sitting in another part of the world also in silence at the same time it's very powerful so the whole notion of that consciousness or like einstein said time and place or distance is just in our imagination it's in our mind and you can feel those things happening so i'm i'm very optimistic for beautiful online conferences and then mixed of course with more local conferences i'm not as you a big fan of flying all the time all over the world so um Maybe this was a wake-up call for us to organize differently. But, uh, of course, holding hands and sitting in circles is still my preferred uh, choice.
0: Yeah. Do you think we humans have the ability to sit in circles remotely? I mean, is that would the Zoom call enable that connection more? But is that connection innate to us? Is that something within us?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think for the people that have had these deep spiritual connections with also people from other times or other eras or when you read a really good book and you get connected with that spirit or that spaciousness or that depth of somebody and i think that also happens when you sit in silence in online meditations it's not the device will connect you it's basically the silence that will connect you to something larger which we all have inside at least that's how i like to perceive it I think the great sages and philosophers have steered us into that direction that we can unite and connect through silence. And um, maybe this crisis is helping us to do that even more. So Martin, the Martin I know, which
0: maybe some of our listeners don't know, is a very unusual mix. So you're a very spiritual person. You're very much into philosophy, into really, really pondering deep, deep, deep ideas But at the same time you're a very successful businessman and your entire success is built on the idea of inviting business people to awaken their spirituality to awaken their inner peace to live to find the art of living if you want so how does this mix happen when did you start why did you end up in that place
1: i was really quite a regular joe i grew up somewhere in the center of holland i went to a university not far from my father's and mother's house because my grandfather and brother and also went to that same university. So I followed in the same path. I used to be quite good at sports and always very fit. And during my university years, I got less fit to say the least. And I woke up almost graduating and thinking like, what has happened? So I hopped on a plane. and those days, you could still buy these world tickets. I don't know if they're still there. I went on travel and I ended up after eight months in the Himalayas and walked there for a couple of months. And that's where I saw, like, wow, I was brought up in a very confined situation. I didn't really know the world at all. And I saw people there connecting with, in those areas, it was Shiva. So that opened up my first initial eyes towards Eastern philosophy. But I was really a tourist looking from the outside in. I got back in Holland, in Amsterdam, and I finished my law degree, started at a big law firm, but I couldn't really earth anymore in that field to say. My interest for law were more from the Platonian, from Plato, but now I was sitting in a box advising very large insurance companies how to uh, manage away their um, complaints or their, their clients. So I had a much more romantic idea about law when I started. So I changed over to Unilever and from there I moved to Durban, South Africa, which was for me Mecca. So Unilever sent me there because it's one of the surfing capitals of the world and I've been loving surfing for all my life. So I started surfing twice a day, but my body couldn't manage the energy. I was getting quite tired in a way as well. So my boss, and you're talking 20 years ago at Unilever, now it's quite common to send somebody of your staff to a meditation course, but 20 years ago, this was weird. And she said during my first review, like, Martin, you're a nice guy. Your brand is doing fine. But the sleeping after lunch, which I was doing on my desk every day, (laughs) we find that quite weird. That's a nice way of saying it. (laughs) Yeah. We don't know whether that's normal in the Netherlands, but in South Africa we don't do that. And this was open planning, so everybody was there to see me. But I I always did that during my university years, sleep after lunch. Uh She said, why don't you go to this center of Maharish Mahesh Yogi, this long bearded guy who founded the Transcendental Meditation Movement. And because I have had already been in contact with people from the Hindu tradition, I thought like, yeah, why not? and that's when I started meditating twice a day and really getting into mantra practices and I just saw how much it helped me with my creativity, with my focus, with everything and primarily I was meditating just to become CEO of Unilever because it (laughs) had such great attributes, you know you could work longer, more dedicated, more focused and with more insights and creativity and then From Unilever, it went on to joining Heineken and I started an advertising agency afterwards, which I was able to sell after a few years. So I was at home, so I sold so much stuff using meditation, but with creativity. But then slowly by keeping up with this practice, my mind just opened up for complete new reality and seeing that what was I doing actually. How was I contributing to this earth and not looking at my life as the big Maarten van Huisday show, which it was until then? So I had a couple of breakthroughs or openings, if you would say so. And I, I just found it this inner peace or love or God or whatever you want to call it. Um, I like to call it the, from an Amsterdam brother, Spinoza, which is very dear to me uh, as a philosopher, uh, finding your intuition and i saw that i wanted to contribute from there so opened up with a friend uh, vessel uh, joined him with the yoga school and one yoga school became two and three and and four and five and out of that came uh, these conferences the inner peace conference and wisdom in business and ever since and i feel that now with your question as well successful in the old terms is like how much cash that was it for me as well but it turned into how can we help out others find their wisdom, their natural wisdom, which is in everyone and their inner peace. So I'm happy in this space now, of course, it's a troubling time. Our yoga schools are closed and the conferences are canceled, but I see so much amazing creativity coming out of goodwilled people. And I see this as a beautiful opportunity as well to move to a new paradigm. You say
0: that meditation helps someone become the CEO of Unilever or successful in building an advertising agency. That's not what we hear normally from people who advocate meditation. They tell us meditate to shut the beast up, you know, your brain that's constantly complaining and to find a few moments of silence during your day just so that you can go back and compete and become the CEO of Unilever. What's the relationship between them for you?
1: Well, that was my vision at the time. I just saw that with 20 minutes of meditation, I could do without an hour of sleep. So I made it twice or three times a day and that I would just get time for free. 20 minutes of deep rest in meditation was an hour of sleep and I just did my calculations. So that meant I could do another two hours of work. I was quite ambitious at the time. I noticed that I was just getting much more focused and also I was opening up this pandora's box of creativity i just started going into photography and film and writing and it was just all because of meditation not all but somehow it coincided with that and my experience ever since is that with teaching meditation that for a lot of people it coincides with that so tell us do you do something special in your meditation
0: style is there something different about that
1: well, the meditation I did the first 10 years was Transcendental Meditation, which is a very effective and a beautiful tool, a mantra-based meditation. So, Tell it, us more about it. It's like a repetition of a word. There are 12 words within this movement. You get it from your teacher. It's quite secretive, but you can know mine. It's Shring. Don't tell anyone.
0: <laughs> the secret is, is kept safe. Don't worry.
1: <laughs> and then you repeat it more or less as this humming voice on the horizon. It's not that you repeat it like I'm sharing sharing. It, it's more it's like it's hovering over the horizon in your spaciousness. You hear it more or less. And it's just keeping you very much in that zone. And when thoughts come, which they will come, then, you know, you go back to the mantra and by focusing on a subject in this case, or an object in this case, the mantra, you learn not to go away on your thoughts. So that's what I used for 10 years. Then I went more into the jokshen and more into the Buddhist meditation and different techniques. And now I've been already for for the last years, I just sit and I've learned myself to just I don't use any techniques anymore and I started more meditating with my eyes open already years ago and it's basically meditation is the form of being so it's like there's not really a a lot of gaps between sitting formally and informally of course you, you get caught up in all kinds of things still but yeah, it's the direction that I've been going that life becomes more the meditation than the practice but I still need practice you know I do my wake up with my rituals uh just to ground me for the day and and set my intentions and do my breathing practices just to get the energy flowing so you take that
0: life-changing moment or life-changing experience it defines you and then you start to at the moment of awakening, I would say, realize that your contribution to life should be different. And so you start to build the inner peace conference, the yoga centers, the wisdom and business center. And a common theme across all of those is the idea of we don't just have to work and go through life. We can find life itself within us. We can actually connect to our inner self now. When I was invited to your conference the first time, Wisdom in Business, please accept my apology, but... To me, it was a bit of an oxymoron. It's like wisdom and business. To me, are I'm a businessman, successful businessman. I've I've succeeded in business with very very high levels of moralities and values, and I think this is the reason why I succeeded. But the typical understanding of business in the world is, you know, let's compete, let's collect as much money as we can, let's fly all over the place and burn the planet, and you know, wisdom. There is very little wisdom in today's business in general. So. How do you bring both together? Do you actually think there is any wisdom in business?
1: I think there are many people that are caught up in these cycles, whether those are yearly cycles of needing to make profits or quarterlies or just in general companies, they are caught up in a lot of cycles and they don't have the oversights but you see some of these beautiful innovations coming through which are really detrimental to the evolution of humanity and that comes out of also people organizing around businesses. So I think innovation and creation is something that is in humanity and we organize ourselves around them. A lot of them are fully ego driven. I see that. And a lot of businesses are ego driven, but there are also some of them, and they are getting squashed sometimes by the ego driven businesses. But some of them do pull through, which are eco driven businesses. So we need to move from ego to eco driven. Like, Fashion has created amazing statements about liberation, about uh, how to transform yourself, how to move from one generation to another, and created emancipation. So fashion played a crucial role in those transformations. But the other side of fashion, it's pushing our ego to buy every six weeks something new because we want to belong to the new color or the new pattern. So there are two sides of fashion. And I think once we enlighten ourselves, that's not like in a spiritual way, but really see from a more elevated position that those are two sides of fashion, then we can say like, okay, how can we keep the good attributes of being able to um, create a culture that is more loving, but also uh, need to reconcile with uh, nature and the fact is that we're just depleting the world's resources so that we have to go into new models. And that's, this is just fashion, but you can say that also about communication. Like communication at the end, innovation walks on two paths. At the end is going to bring us towards unity. So all the great innovations have led us to travel at the more speed and in between the axis of time and place. That's where innovations, big innovations happen. It will give us ways to get to each other. Now we have a, you can get a nice Tesla, or you can get other things, or we get flying. That's what we wanted to do. We wanted to travel and see other places. So mobility is an axis of what we innovate, and the other is communication. And we wanted to connect and be closer via time, online and mobile, and all these others are there as well. Of course, there's food and shelter, but that's been around, and we're transforming that. It's going to be very interesting to see again, my dear brother Spinoza, you know, I believe that we are in this nice causal network and that there is this bigger movement and that we're basically working all for the same boss. Yeah, I agree with that. So yes, there is wisdom in business, but there's also a lot of ignorance in business for sure. We'll
0: go back to the boss conversation because I think that was one of my favorite conversations with you. So how do we bring out more of the wisdom? I'm not talking about the influencers and the business leaders, but everyone listening. How do we bring up more of the wisdom and get rid of the ignorance? How can we get our world post-COVID-19 and as we go back into life, can we go back into life being more selective what do we need to do in your view if we were to build a a more wise approach to business
1: my route has been to connect with nature and my nature so to find a way to connect with my body and with my mind i think that uh, research is also coming out and i think a lot of people are starting to recognize of course a lot of people are sitting inside But once we go outside more, you'll notice the appreciation again for nature. So I see that in business as well, that we first have to do it more or less individually and recognize that where we come from. And once we do that, so I hope that out of this crisis, people will get a new appreciation for nature and how much we miss it being there. And that is our home that's where we come from as a species not only but this is the totality of evolution comes from nature that nature is the most incredible innovator and creator uh, which we are a part of so i think that recognition and that longing that everybody has if we start recognizing that again and how happy we are going to be when this is over when we're again walking through these forests. And some countries you can already do it, and you see a lot of people going out, just by the two of them or three of them, into nature, just being in nature. So I hope that the business leaders that are actually recognizing that in themselves, that they have that longing, are going to return there and start innovating from there. So this is a little bit of a philosophical answer right? Then I think the other thing which we'll see is is more a practical way is that we're seeing that we can really cope by not flying all the time and not shipping all the food from the one end to the world to the other end of the world, that we much more have to focus on local development and local contribution. So that, art is also flourishing, you know? We had Scylla Elworthy last week Friday on our wisdom meditations, and she was saying she was teaching the local school kids how to grow vegetables since in the last two months. I think that sense, that felt sense of community, of local community, I think that's another potential awakening that we will have, is that yes, hopefully we'll start flying less, Yes, hopefully we'll start shipping food less from one end to the world to the other end of the world. And individually, I hope that we will recognize where we come from, which is nature. And if we have that recognition and that awakening, we will start innovating and creating differently. So... Well, let's inshallah uh, you would say, uh, mo, <laughs> yeah. inshallah, that that awakening will drive a new wave of creation innovation, which is moving from ego to ego innovations.
0: It's just fascinating when you think about it, how much less we actually need. I thought of myself as a responsible really really environmentalist and very driven to do well and i myself never understood how much less i needed how much less transportation i needed did i really need to have dinner outside every single evening with so much effort meeting so many people and really really taking so much of me you know instead of having a wonderful well-cooked local produced simple meal at home And maybe having time with a loved one or a conference call or a video call with someone around the world and be selective and watching something that I enjoy or learn from, how much less do we need? And I really think the challenge is, Is the world going to take us out of this and then push us into the grinder again and say, hey, by the way, your company needs to grow. You need to ship apples all the way from South Africa all over to Canada. And then you take uh, lobsters from Canada and ship them to New Zealand. Do we really need to do that? And can we not go back to, by the way, what was just 50, 60 years ago? I don't know if you had this in Holland, but where I come from, when it was not the orange season, there were no oranges in the supermarket. There was no supermarket to start. It was as simple as that. And life was really that simple, you know, that we belonged to something bigger than our constantly advertised to desires. Tell me about the boss, because I will not let you pass without that. I don't work for anybody, at least I'll start with that, but I agree with you, we all work for the same boss. What's the same boss?
1: It's less, I say that with a little wink and a joke, of course, (laughs) you could view that as a godlike figure, but I don't see it as a classical godlike figure. It's more like uh, in a Taoist sense or in a Spinozian sense is that there is a larger movement going on. And if you felt Uh, that you can connect to that evolutionary path and be a part of that in a loving way, that there is a sense of good inside of us and that we can find it, then you are driven by that or you work for that. You go and do the work instead of work the other side of that same coin is if you haven't found that and you're working for ego which you see everybody has to go through it so we're in the grips of those emotions i go through that every day still i see it happening in my kids Like my oldest one, he really loves when he gets into stuff, he wants to buy the gear for it and, you know, he gets really into it and then it's his stuff and finds it difficult sometimes to share it with his brother and his sister and vice versa. So there is this need for possession or that where the ego wants to cling or create an identity. It's just a path of life. So we as humanity are walking exactly that same circle as we as individuals walk through. And some of the great philosophers have said, if you walk that path and you go over a peak, there's this moment where you feel, and sometimes it happens only with getting kids, where you feel like, it's not me anymore.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's not about me. Yeah.
1: So I belong to something. I belong to a family. And for some people, that family becomes not only the circle of five or seven, that family becomes larger and they start seeing them, I belong to a community. And some people it starts growing and we see it when we play soccer or when holland is versus the uk and we belong to the orange we know who we want to win <laughs> yeah and some people they go even further and they say we belong to our species yeah and you can go even a little bit further and we belong to nature So at that time you feel that you are stirred by a totality, the big boss, nature and Spinoza would say Deus Sive Natura, God is nature in its totality and that's what I meant we're working all for the same boss we are part of this larger evolution whether we like it or not it's not being steered by one person two persons the great people that are here now we're talking okay we have the great entrepreneurs the, the Bill Gateses of this world which have made huge impact but in 500 years from now there are different Bill Gateses walking around and yes the iPhone has had its impact and yes microsoft and yes a tesla maybe and yes this but they will be forgotten but some of the philosophies which have changed uh, humanity are still around and that evolution of collective mind that's what we work for or are basically we're not work for we are that and mind and matter is one You see, every time I have
0: so many conversations with so many wonderful friends, and this is a topic that's really dear to me, how we always go back to the same place. So some will say God is the creator of everything. Some will say God is love. Some will say God is nature. Some will say God is everyone. You are God and I am God, or collectively we are God. And I think we constantly forget that it doesn't matter what it is. What matters is that there is bigger than me. There is bigger than you as individuals. And there is all of us. And I I love the way you speak about it because I grew up first thinking I'm an Egyptian, then thinking I'm an Arab, then thinking I'm a Muslim, you know, that's a bigger community, then thinking, no, no, hold on, I'm a human. And then you realize that you're just part of being and part of being, that's where we belong. And being all of it, whether it's a tree or a rock or a fly is is the community that we serve somehow. And, you know, when you say work for it, work for it in my mind translates into two things. One is being commanded by it, and the other is working in its favor, working for its success and its cumulative success. success. And, and you can see, you can see with just two months of lockdown... You walk around the streets and it's fascinating how all of nature and all of being is just getting into a new phase. almost like the world is saying, just give me two weeks to breathe. Give me two weeks to breathe and I'll go back and I'll be wonderful. I don't even need you to fix anything. I'll fix it. Just give me the space. And it's amazing, amazing. I do this podcast, at least the first theme, the Silver Linings theme, is really all about that message of please think three times before you go back to destroying all of us. Because when you destroy nature, you destroy part of me and part of you. And I think people don't see it that way. I want to close with something that you always talk about as well, the idea of inner peace and self-love. And it's a topic that's not easy for many of us, definitely not easy for the men of us we're brought up to be tough and resilient and, you know, strong. And the idea of self-love for many of us sounds like, huh, who needs that? Tell me how you arrived at that and what it means to you and why is it important?
1: Yeah, I think it just also dawned on me very slowly. I always say I'm a bad student.
0: I beg to differ.
1: (laughs) When they ask like, um, does your wife also meditate and do all these practices? I always say, but I came from very far, she doesn't need that, you know, she is (laughs) compassion already in that. So it dawned on me slowly that I was just in ways not happy enough with myself and that I I was not unhappy in that way, but I was still comparing myself. What could I get more or better or how could I transform myself? So I was really busy a lot with myself and I think real transformation happens when you are really standing still and you're happy in this moment with all your flaws. You're there and you can really look yourself in the eyes and accept yourself for who you are with all the things that have brought you here. You're not blaming anybody anymore. It's not your father or your mother or the situation, or I wish I had this, that, and that. We're really standing still, and you can stand there and just feel like, wow, here I am. And look towards the horizon and look towards the future, that this is evolution, and here I am. And I'm happy and loving towards myself with what I have exactly what I am yeah and if you arrive at that point it's just this infinite field of possibilities opens in a way as well it's like you become the director where you want to go and not in as I always say in my meditation courses you don't want to get control over the mind but you don't want your mind letting having control over you you open up a space and a spaciousness because you're not so busy with that inner voice anymore That you have the ability, and I thought you said it before, to let nature do its thing. And you have the ability to not react to your own impulses, but to let the ones go that are not in your favor or are fear-based and act upon the ones that are loving towards yourself, but also loving towards others and once you start recognizing that still it's a difficult game don't get me wrong I, I fall into the same trap still but yeah. there is a bit of spaciousness to see it and you become less stubborn and you become more open and less reactive to your uh, ego impulses and life becomes more easy and peaceful yeah that is true inner peace Martin
0: I cannot thank you enough it's always a pleasure So thank you so much for the time that you gave us. For those listening, if you want to join some of Martin's work, go to wisdominbusiness.org slash meditations. There is a lot to learn and a lot to do to join this community. I think it's a wonderful experience. Uh, Once again, Martin, you're brilliant. I'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Mo. It was a great
0: conversation. Thanks. And for all of you who joined us, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow me on social media. Search for Mogaudat, Slow Mo, Gaudette, slow-mo, Soul for Happy, or 1 Billion Happy. I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, there is always time to slow down. Until next time, stay happy.